This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend, playoff edition once again. Jason Benetti, who works for the White Sox, does their television, also working the Indians and the Yankees series on ESPN will join us. Dave Fleming from the San Francisco Giants, but he's doing the A's series against the White Sox for ESPN. And then Susan Slusser from the San Francisco Chronicle, and then the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak. But first, Jason Benetti does a great job for ESPN and the Chicago White Sox. So we're going to talk White Sox A's and other series going on. And here he was, the great voice of the Chicago White Sox. And Jason now joins us. Jason, how are you? Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hi, Chris. How are you? We're doing well and uh, was watching that game yesterday. Wow, what a, what a powerhouse start to a game when you got Cole against Bieber what was that like calling that game man Garrett Cole was fantastic Bieber was doing what he does except the Yankees attacked him early and we said off the top when there's contact against Bieber it's generally pretty hard contact and it was I mean uh, my takeaway from that game is everything I've been saying the last couple weeks and a lot of people have been saying is don't don't play the Yankees if you can avoid it for a while because they look like a juggernaut. You know, I had the note going into the game about X amount of runs that Cole had given up on the year and X amount of runs that Bieber had given up on the year had come off home runs. So even though they have this ultimate dominance, both the guys, they've given up home runs and both gave up home runs yesterday. They did. They did. I mean, when they when there's contact, it's been hard contact, like two-thirds of the runs scored against him have been on home runs. Bieber went out of character and walked a, a guy or two, and that caused him some trouble as well. But the top-end contact against him was very strong. And the other thing to me is this Yankees lineup, you get Glaber Torres going, whatever, four for three for three, four for four. He was perfect at the plate. And if they get him working like he's working with that bullpen that we didn't have to see last night, Sessa came in and mopped up the last six outs. Uh, they're not only well-equipped for game two, obviously, today, but they're very well-equipped to make life difficult on the Rays on that side of the bracket. You know, that was one of my notes going into this postseason. That was, if you get a strong start, because as we have no days off in this round, no days off in the next two rounds. If you can get a strong start from your starter and they can go deep into the game and you win the game handily, like I look at this blueprint 12 to three, as you just said, I just saved my best relievers for the next couple of days. 
That's that's exactly right, and and that's why the White Sox scoring early runs against the A's yesterday was important too, because there's the bullpen management for that series is going to be very interesting with two pretty strong bullpens. But for me, I, I think uh, especially walking into a season where you didn't know what you were going to get, to not have the off days in the postseason, I, I what I really like is especially in a year where the DH went away from the uh, went into the National League and we lose pitchers hitting, so we lose some strategy. I think managers have to really be on the, the top of their game in the postseason because bullpen management is harder than ever in the playoffs. You know, when I think about yesterday's game, we went into it going, okay, so the White Sox are 14-0. and That's ESPN playing on my computer. The White Sox were 14-0 and <laughs> against left-handed starting pitching. The Athletics countered with Jesus Lazardo, and they said, you know what? They faced some lefties, but we don't think they faced a lefty like Jesus Lazardo. When you found out that the A's were going to lead off with a left-handed starting pitcher, what were your first thoughts? I would even scroll it back a little bit and say when I found out that the Sox had run into the A's, I thought the Sox got their best possible opponent in the first round simply because of that. Because even if the A's don't use the two lefties, Lozardo and Manaya, you're still neutralizing two of the top three pitchers in the starting rotation, right? I mean, you're, you're leaving Oakland with less of an opportunity to use its best guys to its fullest. And that's what you want in a matchup. So I wasn't shocked that Bob Melvin still went with Lozardo because he does have different stuff than like a guy like Chris Bubich for Kansas City or some of the lefties the White Sox have seen, the guys from the Tigers. Um, but yeah, I think I think it plays right into the White Sox hands to have two lefties at the front of somebody's rotation that you're playing in the first round and a best of three. And one of the notes that we got yesterday from one of our researchers is how good you guys hit velocity. Talk about that. I mean, you're one of the best velocity hitting teams that we have seen in recent memory. Yeah, it's it's almost shocking, especially because when you go beyond that and you look like you look at a guy like Tim Anderson uh, in his career, he has had his best season ever hitting breaking balls. And there are a number of guys in the White Sox lineup who historically have hit changeups well. Yoan Moncada is one of those guys. And so you have a depth of ability to hit multiple pitches, let alone the velocity, which, again, is uh, paramount in this day and age in baseball. If you can hit 95 to 97 to 99, you're going to win more ball games than you lose. I mean, it's just that simple. We showed on the StatCast uh, telecast last night the odds of winning when you hit more home runs than the opponent in the postseason. It's like 75%, 80% last couple of years. If you hit the ball hard, you're probably going to win. And so that's what makes the White Sox a scary opponent. And frankly, Ricky Renteria made some more lineup moves yesterday than is typical this season. There have been days when he's left Nomar Mazzara in against the left-handed starting pitcher. And that didn't happen, and he got paid off handsomely with Adam Engel's performance. You know, I love the StatCast broadcast because there's so much great information that helps explain everything that's going on. It's really like the science of baseball. How much fun do you have doing those broadcasts? It's glorious. It's uh, it is the most um, it is the most specific games I do all year. They are absolutely uh, the most well researched games, 
And I think if you listen to StatCast shows as compared to most shows, even shows that I'm on otherwise, but across the country, I think the level of detail orientation on like what specific skill sets hitters have is, is really enormous. Uh, and Mike Petriello does such a great job research-wise, but our crew is fantastic. And to me, I just like the ability to say, hey, not only is this guy a good defender, but he comes forward really well, or he's bad going back into his right, or this guy hits ground balls, but he hits them hard, so it's valuable. Like, I love a case study like DJ LeMayhew, where ground balls typically don't get you much in this day and age of baseball. But DJ LeMayhew is a unicorn in that way. He hits the ball on the ground, and he does it successfully. And teams don't shift him for the last couple of years because they don't know where he's going to hit the ball. And so you want to you want to talk about like beating the shift and bucking trends. We'll do that for you, but also we'll show you Jose Ramirez's agent tweet where he says the dude just got to pull the ball. Like stop worrying about the shift, pull the ball. So I think when you look at Lemayhew and you look at Jose Ramirez and you compare them, they play the game in two totally different ways, but they're both beautiful. And that's what I love about the shows is we try to pull out the beauty of the game. Chris Bassett is the American League Pitcher of the Month for September, 3-0 and with a 0.34 ERA, was drafted by the White Sox in the 16th round back in 2011. I need, I, hey, listen, no one in Chicago is listening to this, so you're covered here. Give me something positive about Bassett against the White Sox today. Give me your Nash. Give me you're a national guy right now. Give me a positive. Well, I mean, the one thing I'll say is he's a right-handed pitcher, so that helps. Uh, the, the White Sox have not hit right-handed pitching all that well. Also, last year he went 13 innings of uh, shutout ball against the White Sox. 13 innings, eight hits, no runs. I, I was looking this morning, and I was like, I think Chris Bassett shoved against the White Sox last year, and he absolutely did. Uh, the, the negative, if I can give you one, is I was looking at uh, White Sox against right-handed two-seamers this year, right-handed sinkers, and Bassett throws his fair share. Jose Abreu slugged nearly 700 against right-handed sinkers and two-seamers this year. So if there's a guy you want to pitch around in the White Sox lineup, it still is Jose Abreu, but specifically today with Bassett. You know, I, I remember we were at the winter meetings in San Diego, and it was like, like, how do they not get this deal done with this guy? It was almost like he had to tell them, hey, re-sign me. I want to be here with the White Sox. Did, did I re – am I remembering – we've had a lot of weird stuff happen since the winter meetings, but it, it wasn't like the White Sox were like, we got to re-sign him. It was kind of a weird deal, wasn't it? The Sox wanted to the whole way. It just took longer than everybody wanted it to. But the thing you're remembering, I think, is that Jose Abreu said, if they don't sign me, I'm going to sign myself here. He <laughs> yeah. basically said, I am going to draw up a contract and sign it and make myself a Chicago White Sox player. You want that out of a franchise guy. And he, I mean, you watch him play in the spirit with which he plays the game this year, especially being surrounded by just better players, he's having the time of his life. Like, I think if you quizzed Jose Abreu in the next 35 years and you said, what's the best year of your life? Even if the Sox want a title down the road and not this year, I think he might say this year just because of the influx of really good players. 
Well, they did a good job. Uh, our, our buddy Dave Fleming and Jessica Mendoza in the, I don't know if you got to see it in the broadcast yesterday on ESPN, talking about, you know, one of the things he's so happy about is just that his mother will be able to watch him back in Cuba. And I think that, I, you know, a professional athlete would talk about, hey, what are you most looking forward to in the postseason? Normally you don't see or normally you don't hear a guy say it's about my mother watching me on TV. I think that speaks volume about his character. It, it really does. His The funniest thing that I've ever heard Jose say about his mom, Daisy, who is just like a, a, a work ethic, uh, a workaholic in her work ethic. He said, when I am out of the lineup, she calls me and says, why don't you do your job? He's played every game this year, and she questions him when he's out of the lineup. Like, why aren't you playing? You're getting paid to do this. And when he DHs, we've had a camera on him historically, and we watch him in the dugout. I mean, it's like he doesn't know what to do with himself. He is lost in the dugout when he DHs, he's like pacing around, he's talking to people. And we've joked that like all the Sox players are going to get a petition together to make sure Jose never DHs again because he just annoys the crap out of everybody in the dugout when he's DHing. He loves playing and he wants to be on the field. It's amazing. So for you the rest of the way, what's the broadcast schedule? So today we're on the air in about an hour 20. On ESPN Plus, we're doing a, a whip-around show, sort of like Red Zone. Uh, it's called Squeeze Play, and we're going to be watching multiple games at once in multiple boxes on your screen. Uh, so it's me, Mike Petriello, Kyle Peterson again, and that's the next two days, uh, barring a complete sweep of the four series in the American League. I think we would then do a StatCast show tomorrow if that happened and there weren't multiple windows at once. And then Friday, if there's a game three necessary for the NL, we'll do a, a StatCast special for that NL game three, whatever it is. Wait, what? You're going to do a red zone, like a baseball red zone show? When is that? Uh, it's noon central time. So in about an hour 20, we go on the air. And we are on the air through the end of the 5 o'clock Eastern Padres Cardinals game. So we're on, I would say, probably about seven and a half hours today. All right. You know what? If you could send Cody, my producer, the schedules for all, because right now I don't think a lot of people are getting this. We will promote your guys' schedule here in Northern California because this stuff we absolutely love. Love it. Love it. Uh, That's awesome. I will send that. But we're on today and tomorrow starting 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific on ESPN Plus, and we'll be there basically all day. Are you kidding me? That's what pays. I mean, that this is the one thing I, you know, all my old school guys around me and you, you know, our old school guys here with the A's, they hate all this. I'm like, just give it a chance. It's a tournament. I know sometimes you don't like teams getting in under 500, but we look at the tournament in the NCAAs. We look at football. We look at basketball. We look at hockey. It works. And what you guys are going to be doing today, talking about eight different games going on at one time. Come on. Yeah, it's like I, I in college, we used to bring our TVs down to the living room my junior and senior year. We'd have six TVs and watch the NFL on Sunday and basically just like pinball from TV to TV and everybody would have a remote. And if your, t- if your game was in a commercial, you got jeered or worse. So this, I've been ready for this for years. Jason, you're one of the best in the game. We always love having you on the program. Be well and let's talk soon. Chris, thank you very much. Good luck today.
and another guy working the playoffs, Dave Fleming. But he's doing A's White Sox. We break down the series with Dave. Dave Fleming's going to be calling this game for ESPN. Is going to join us here in just a few as we're finding out he's actually in North Carolina. I've been calling games from the Bay Area. I don't know what the deal is, is put, putting him in North Carolina. Dave, how you doing? Chris Towns with the A's. Hi, Chris. Can you hear me? I'm inside. I do have Wi-Fi on, so I'm hoping that'll carry the call. No, no, you sound good. You know, they they, they put out there that uh, you're not in the Bay Area anymore. And we're like, what, you're in North Carolina? I'm sitting in a studio in Charlotte. I am. <laughs> cool. well, why not? Why wouldn't I? Yeah, of course. Why, why, why would you leave the Bay Area? But, yeah, you're going to be yeah. calling games throughout the postseason, so it's just not because – you know, it's it's funny that you're calling the A's versus the White Sox, but because I know they sent Roxy Bernstein up a, up to Connecticut, so this is kind of like standard procedure right now, right? Correct. We the play-by-play people are all in some some main studio, not from home, not from ballpark. So all of us, no matter what series we were assigned to, had to come to one of these studios. So game one, A's lose to the White Sox. What were your thoughts after the game? Well. Look, I mean, I feel for everybody around the Coliseum, everybody in the organization, because there is legitimate pressure. Uh, there is. And, you know, even though there are a lot of players on this ace team that aren't a part of the, the playoff losses in the last decade, and, you know, it's not like it's those guys burdened to bear, you know, some missed opportunities in the past. But I don't think there's any doubt when you watch the A's play in the playoffs, these last few chances they've had, that they're carrying some of that. And, uh, you know, it especially hurts when you fall behind early. And I thought that was a huge key yesterday where the home run, the first one was, you know, okay. But the second one, the Abreu home run, uh, just totally changed the feel of the game for me. And so the fact that it was three, nothing, it felt to me like it was eight to nothing. Uh, it just did. And part of that's Giolito. So I think today, you know, if, for the A's to just have some positive stuff early, and maybe lighten that load just a little bit. It, you know, to me, the White Sox looked like the freer, happier team yesterday, and I thought it reflected in the final score. You know, we were just talking to a fellow Stanford grad, Susan Slusser, about that, about just what a nice three spot right out of the gate for the A's would do for everybody, as it just seems now you get into postseason, the other team gets ahead, and then it's like all of a sudden the team's gripping the rest of the way. Yeah, I think that's very true. And, you know, it's not no, it's not easy for the A's right now. Number one, they're just not hitting with the same kind of power that we're used to seeing from them. And there's a lot of factors in that. You know, short season, weird timing, uh, Chapman hurt, uh, a couple other guys that you lean on for that, struggling a little bit. But the home run ball is the easiest way to do that. And it's a matchup today where that's going to be an issue. I mean, Dallas Keuchel... You can get to Keiko as good a year as he's had. He's not blowing people away, but typically it's not with, you know, he could make a mistake, but typically it's not with a ball over the fence. And that, you know, to me, that's the formula for the A's. It's worked so well the last few years. Pick it clean on defense, pitch, you know, especially at home, use your home ballpark, go catch everything, and then knock a few over the fence. And right now for the A's, it's a struggle to knock a ball over the wall. You know, I think about, I mean, it's just one game, and you can say the same thing for the Astros. You know, their season's ending. They've got no idea where they're going. 
Their plane's on a tarmac, ready to go. Their travel secretary's probably pulling their hair out. You don't know. And then all of a sudden, the Twins end up losing to the Reds. And that sent, okay, now the Astros got to go up to Minnesota. Now the White Sox got to go. And both those teams win. There's something about, I don't know, I might be overplaying this, but just the fact that even you said that the White Sox look loose, well, why wouldn't they? They had no idea where they're going. It's like, okay, we're going to Oakland now. Let's just go to Oakland and win. Yeah, I think there is something to that. I do. Um, you know, the Giants experience that. I know A's don't like it when I talk about the Giants, but I think, you know, several times in those championship runs, it helped a little bit to have some uncertainty and not anxiety leading into it and just that sort of happy-go-lucky, hey, wherever they tell us to play, that's where we'll go, and we're underdogs and all that. And right now it's hard for the A's to play the underdog card. You know, they're in the playoffs for the third straight time, six times in nine years there's a little more burden of expectation that I think is there for the brand. And that's good. You earn that by being a great organization, a great franchise. And that's what the A's are. Uh, but you also have to carry that into October. You know, the flip side of that, Chris, is, is that, uh, you know, it, it is, it, it rings a little hollow. And I'm not saying anybody's doing this, but you can't, look, you won the division by seven games. You had a chance to get everything lined up, even if you've got some injuries and nagging stuff. You you had the advantage, the A's I'm talking about, have the advantage of they could be as prepared as they possibly could be, even not knowing the opponent, uh, leading in, playing all three games of a best of three at home where you're 22 and 10 on the year. So, you know, I mean, I heard a little rumbling from some A's fans, friends of mine about uh, the Yankees get prime time again and we got to play during the daytime. And to me, that rings a little hollow. Like you're at home where you play great. You've, been, you've had the whole thing lined up for a week minimum, knowing you're in, knowing you're going to be the home team. Uh, you know, that that is not a disadvantage. The A's were given a pretty good setup for this thing, I think. You know, Dave, I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head because we did Liam Hendricks on Monday, and Liam said, we love being the underdog. And I kind of went, huh, because you weren't the underdog last year in the wild card game against Tampa. You're not the underdog here. It's like they still want to think they're the underdog, but as you just said, they're not the underdog anymore. They aren't. They are not. I mean, who who in the American – I mean, I guess the Yankees, you would make an argument, the Yankees' consistency year to year. Uh, other than that, I mean, even the Astros, the Astros' success doesn't go back as long as the A's does. They've won some more playoff games, but the Astros' success isn't uh, to the consistent level that the A's has been. I look at them as the – you know, if not the number one, the number two franchise in the American League over the last decade. That's not an underdog to me. Uh, Cleveland's been there. Uh, a couple others have been there. But uh, the A's deserve huge credit for uh, churning players, keeping producing talent, being in a position to make these runs. But, I mean, gosh, at some point you do, just for everybody's peace of mind, just for everybody's happiness level, you know, win one of these suckers and win, win a series. And then to me, the whole thing changes. Then you just forget about all that because, you know, as much as players sometimes like to say, Oh, that's all talk on the outside. We don't talk about that here. I guarantee you those guys, you know, they know the recent history. They're carrying a little bit uh, of that with them out on the field. Of course, we're going to be following A's and White Sox, but just already today, I'm watching Cincinnati and Atlanta. I know Houston and Minnesota have started. I, how just crazy is this? All these baseball games all day long. I know the old schoolers don't like it, uh, but I love it. I, I 
give me all the baseball. I think I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this postseason. Me too. And, uh, you know, the traditionalists do really strongly disagree with me. And I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of, okay, if we're going to expand the playoffs permanently, let's give a better reward to a team that wins a division. I mean, I, 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 I agree with that. Uh, but I think that it's okay. Look, if we wanted it to be totally, quote, fair, if, if, if fairness were the only goal, we would have no playoffs. We'd play 162, and the team with the best record would, at, at, at minimum in each league, would meet in the World Series like in the old days, and that's it. That's how you decide it. Um, so we've decided that that's not how we like sports. We like the drama of playoffs, and I'm in agreement with that. So once you go there, to me, like, fairness uh, and reward it's a little bit of a slippery slope it's like okay well maybe we'll give you a little more of an advantage but uh i like the fun and the unpredictability of baseball playoffs uh, to me more of that is better if sometimes that means favorites go down and don't get rewarded for great success in the regular season i'm okay with that because i think the payoff is really worth let's end on this you know listening to your broadcast last night listening to you guys on KMBR or our guys on A's cast and the A's radio network. I just want to commend, you know, whether it's our broadcast team or what you've done with ESPN or with the giants the fact that, you know, when I'm listening to you guys or yesterday watching you guys, I would have no idea you're not there. It sounds like you're there. It sounds like a regular broadcast. And I think that's a testament to the work that you guys are doing and what you guys did with the Giants and what our guys are doing with the A's, that you guys had such a hard job, but you made it look so easy. Well, I appreciate that. And I did, it was hard. Uh, it got, I guess, a little easier as we grew accustomed to this as the season went on. Um, you know, I can't wait for it to get back to normal. But in the meantime, you know, for everybody involved, it just feels like a blessing that we have games, that players have stayed safe, that we've done a good job as a as a sport, keeping people safe and healthy. And uh, let's hope we can continue that through the, the rest of the playoffs because it is really cool and it's great to have baseball and it's great to have playoff baseball. And I hope the A's get to play at least one more game because they earned it. The, the A's had another really impressive year. I thought they were one of the best teams that I personally saw all season and uh, and I hope it's not a short postseason for him. Well, we always appreciate the time. Be safe and we'll talk to you soon here in these playoffs. Okay, Chris, thanks. From one Stanford grad to another, we caught up with Susan Slusser as she was driving to the ballpark for game two. Hello, Susan. How are you? I'm great, Tony. How are you? I I I am uh, doing wonderful. Are you gonna be out at the ballpark today? I will be every day. It's been fun watching you on Zoom. Uh, it's been uh, frustrating having everything just be, you know, that that's our availability, but that's okay. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, A's in a hole right now. How did you feel about Lazardo going game one? Uh, you know what? I was initially taken aback, but, you know, I – the guy I kind of wanted to see was Manaya. So the left-handed thing didn't bother me. Uh, the A's thinking, as you know, was uh, looking at some of the numbers, some of those big boppers actually hit right-handers better than left-handers, including Abreu. And also they just had not faced the best crop of lefties in the AL Central. Great, some great right-handed starters in the AL Central. Uh, left-handed starters is not the strength of the AL Central or, or even some of the NL Central guys that they saw. So I could see it. Hey, we know how talented Jesus Lazardo is. He made two mistakes 
the one thing that did kind of stick with me was the decision to pitch to Abreu. That was probably not the best decision. I know Bob Melvin has taken full responsibility for that. Um, but, you know, uh, Lazard is a, a great pitcher. So, yeah, I'm not going to fault that. See, to me, he's not a great pitcher. He's a kid with really good stuff. He hasn't proven he's a great pitcher yet. And I look at his ERA in September now, 5.02. I understand he has great stuff, but he doesn't have the resume yet for me. And that's what worried me about going into this game yesterday. Well, yeah, but he looked fantastic last year in the wild card game. Now, you could argue there was much less pressure then, right? You come in, team's already down, but whew, he looked good. He looked very composed, kept them in that game while he was in there. So uh, I can see it. I don't hate it. You know, there's never a perfect choice when you lose the game. There's always going to be nitpickers. But when it comes to left-handed versus right-handed, I think that got overblown. Uh, The A's record against left-handers is very good today. I don't see anybody saying like, oh, no, Chicago shouldn't start Keuchel. Would you start a lefty again then if the A's are able to win today? I suspect they will. Uh, I would start my fires. I think it's finally time to start my, <laughs> my fires. Look at his numbers against the White Sox. Yes, they're, this is not entirely the same White Sox team that he has dominated over the years. But there are a lot of guys, certainly, that are in that lineup that he has faced numerous times and has very good numbers against. So uh, I hope that's the decision. I don't know if it will be. I don't know what the aversion is to fires in the postseason. Uh, but it's become pretty clear that that's uh, it's something that they've tried to avoid. I don't know why. How great is it to be, to watch Chris Bassett blossom into the pitcher he has become after everything that he went through? Oh, one of my favorite stories. Uh, absolutely. Because the frustrations, first of all, the Tommy John surgery, that's bad enough. But then coming back and not really knowing what his role was going up and down between at, at that point, Nashville and Oakland, uh, you could see it. it. It really wore on him. You know, he didn't, and he said he did not handle it well, particularly uh, being asked to do different roles. And then at some point it, it was one off season. I think he finally just went like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Whatever they need, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to help this team win. And that change meant the world to him from then on he was like a different guy uh so really maturity more than anything but he's a load of fun he's one of the best talkers on the team so of course we love him uh you know you can read the emotions on his face he's a bulldog uh i'm really glad he's getting a big big start for the A's because he's paid his dues he's a great guy and he's been through the ringer yeah, and it's just he goes out to win. I mean, he he is going out there, and, and he wants the ball. He wants to go deep in games, and that's that's really what the A's need today is they need a guy to put up zeros and go deep into the game. Yeah, 100%. Although, you know, I'm, I take the A's bullpen against anybody's for sure. Uh, it, they've got to score runs. You know, we talk a lot about the, the Lizardo decision. Well, they scored one run. They had three hits. So uh, it's, it's these wild card games, uh, and yes, I know this is a series and not one game, but they they very similar the last few years. You know, fall behind early and just can't do enough offensively to ever catch up or have a hope of catching up. So uh, this morning I spent a lot of time asking people about the importance of scoring early, which, uh, duh, uh, you know, that's fairly obvious. It's easier than said than done. Uh, of course, they would like to score early. 
I think it would go a huge way, both for them and for Bassett, take the pressure off uh, and make them finally feel like they're in one of these games. There's no doubt about it. We were uh, joking with uh, Hawk Harrelson, he and Ray Fossey, and Ken Harrelson was like, hey, listen, you score first. You usually win about 65% of the time. It would just be so nice to have a crooked number early and let these guys just breathe a little bit. Yeah, it's not at the end of the day if they don't. Like, this is a team that is its best in the later innings. We even saw that yesterday. You know, they finally showed some signs of life. Uh, It didn't quite pan out the way they would have liked. But, uh, yeah, I... Scoring early uh, definitely would be their best plan of attack if they could somehow do so. Dallas Keuchel is a tough customer. They've seen him a ton over the years. The A's are good against lefties, as I mentioned. Yeah. You know, eleven and three over the over the course of the year, and uh, you know, it's a you know what? No matter what, this is a terrific matchup. It should be a great baseball game. I know A's fans are frustrated with the way the postseasons have gone recently, but. Uh, you know, you make one or two mistakes and it can change the outcome of an entire playoff game or playoff series. So, you know, you deal with it. But today, it should be a lot of fun. They are 45-16 and 16 against left-handed starters over the last two years. So they've had a lot of success against lefties. And, Susan, I, I know the, you know, the – the A's are up against it here in elimination. You can say the same thing about the Indians, and, and you can say the same thing about the Twins. Uh, Blue Jays also today. But this this is going to be a wild day of baseball that we've never seen anything like this with all these playoff games with the National League starting today. Yeah, I kind of wish I didn't have to work, Johnny. I'd like to actually just <laughs> watch all of these games. I mean, it felt a little bit like that yesterday, too, right? I mean, playoff time, this is, this is the best. Uh, it's a weird year, sure. It's, the atmosphere is very different. We miss the fans so much. Everyone does. But uh, eight playoff games in one day? Are you kidding me? It's the best. Yeah, especially after, and I'm sure you felt this way, I think a lot of us, we weren't sure if they were even going to get 60 games in. Oh, I didn't. I really didn't, especially early on when there were all the problems with the Marlins and then the Cardinals. I thought, well, this just isn't going to work, you know. And, you know, but well done trying to even get anything up and running. But they're just going to have to shut the whole thing down. And they did such a good job of revising the protocols and tightening everything up. Uh, and I think everybody started to understand the uh, parameters better and what, what's at stake, you know. So yeah, kudos to baseball for getting in the season. And uh, you know, hey, now it it still looms in the post. Season. There could be a positive test or multiple, and, and they'd have to address that. But you have to think they have plans A, B, C, and D. I'm worried a little bit about the air quality here for, you know, potentially later today and tomorrow if there's tomorrow. But MLB is now kind of on that as a possible issue. So hopefully there's any sort of eventuality. Well, you be safe on your drive in. We miss you. We miss seeing you. I get to see you on Zoom, but I miss seeing you and talking to you in person. Be well, and we'll talk again soon. Back at you. Thanks, Tony. Always great to have Susan on, and now the voice of summer, but now really the voice of fall. He's the voice of your franchise, Ken Korak, getting you ready for the A's and the White Sox. Forget the voice of summer. He's the voice of fall now. Ken Korak from the Coliseum. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Chris. We can't wait to get this thing started. 
Yeah, just uh, I know talking to Bob Melvin about it yesterday, this was going to feel weird for you guys because it is so early and the players had to get there, you know, probably around six o'clock today to do the COVID-19 test. And it it all seems a little rushed, but uh, just just talk. Does it feel odd because you're there so early? Not really. I think one of the things that we're used to, because this is the 11th postseason that I've had the privilege of calling for the A's, is that you have to be flexible. And I think we understood going in that because TV is going to make the call on this and there's so many games that we could play at noon or we could have played at seven or eight o'clock. So it, it kind of feels normal from that standpoint in that um, if it makes any sense, we're used to it being abnormal in the postseason. And once the Yankees get bumped, if they ever get bumped, then it changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we've done we did that a few times. If you'll recall back in the early 2000s with uh, Yankees postseason series and then the Red Sox, and then you know you're always going to be in prime time, and you're going to play these late games on the East Coast, and you're going to fly cross country back and forth. So uh, actually, this isn't too bad. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. You you you're going to no, be in your same, you're going to be in your same spot. You're going to be nice, comfy and safe for this postseason. Well, and the other thing too about that is that the A's don't have to travel and if it's best two out of three and all the games are here, of course. And then if they win this series, all they have to do is fly down to LA to play in the division series at Dodger Stadium. So you you always want to I mean, listen, you always want to win every game, right? That goes without saying. But if the A's could win this game today, now they need to win one of the next two in their home ballpark. So I think it's really big for them that they have the home field against the White Sox. Just size this matchup up between these two teams and talking to Andy Mazur from the White Sox, kind of like the A's, both these teams coming down the end, they were exhausted. They were, and the Sox lost 9 out of 12, and they have a great offensive team, but they've been averaging about you know, a little over three runs a game uh, during that time. They gave up a lot of runs over the weekend against the uh, Cubs. So here's one of the things I think to look at, Chris, and this is I don't know that anything that's happened in the past is, is that relevant, but in the, in the wild card games the last two years, uh, the A's gave up home runs in the first inning. Remember two years ago, Aaron Judge hit the home run off Hendricks. So the A's fell behind early. And then last year, Manaya goes two-plus, gives up three home runs, two of those by Yandy Diaz. So getting down early, giving up home runs early, has really plagued the A's, and that was one and done. But the A's didn't hit much in those two games. Now you're fighting from behind, and you're not swinging the bat that well. So if they can get through the first two or three innings and have Lazardo get on into the ball game today, uh, Chris, and keep the White Sox off the board, take some of the pressure off the A's offense because the A's offense has not been, it's been, the results have been mixed at best this year looking at um, their offense. So I think that's one of the keys to look at. It's going to be a warm day at the Coliseum. And I guess in a perfect world, you'd rather play at night, have the Marine layer come in, and maybe that could help nullify the White Sox bats. But, uh, you know, they've got to be able – the ace pitchers in this series have to be able to keep the ball in the ballpark. <clears throat> yeah, there's no question about it. And, you know, when I think about Jesus Lazardo, you know, we're either going to look at this as a gamble or such a great call because, you know, on on their side, they're all going, hey, thank God they're starting a lefty. We're 14-0 and against lefties. 
But then on our side, we're like, yeah, but you haven't seen our lefty. He's a whole different ball game. So how this plays out today, game one, because I do think both these teams are a little fragile mentally from a standpoint of the way the White Sox kind of imploded down the stretch and then the way the A's have lost the past two years in the wild card game. Yeah, and hopefully they can use that to their advantage from the standpoint that they are incredibly motivated and highly determined. And this goes back to the original spring training back in March where the A's were not just intent on, they wanted to win the, the division. That was the first thing, but then get deep into the postseason. So, uh, you you know, you, you can look at it two ways. Yeah, they've been scarred by the the losses they've had to endure in the postseason, but that can turn into motivation too and determination, uh, Chris. And the thing about Jesus, now the Sox haven't uh, faced him before, as you said. The other thing is if you look at the American League Central and then you look at the National League Central, the best pitchers in those two divisions that the White Sox have faced this year are right-handed. So I don't think there's a lefty that they've had to deal with this year, at least as a starter, that can match up with Lizardo in terms of stuff. So that might skew those numbers a little bit when you look at the White Sox being 14-0 and in the game started by lefties. And the thing that, you know, it, it happens now, and we've really seen this trend the last few years, is we'll sit here and we'll talk about starting pitching at nauseum, but the way the trends have been going, Ken, the minute your guy starts to get in trouble – Bullpens are up, and starters are out of there faster than we've ever seen. Yeah, you're right, Chris. And we, uh, I asked Bo Mel about that. We did the manager show at about 9.20 this morning. And I asked him, I said, even though this is not one and done, it's still a really short series, do you manage it like the game today is do or die? And he said, yes. You've got to do everything you possibly can to win the game that day. So you're going to have a short rope. Uh, with the starting pitchers. And we haven't talked a lot about the White Sox bullpen. They've got some guys and some young pitchers who can really bring it down there too. So uh, I think that if you can get up early and go to your bullpen, it might be advantageous for both these clubs. So how superstitious, how was the manager for the manager show today? (laughs) That is a great question. Because, you know, the, the countdown numbers... You and I have talked about this. It's not just a 3-2-1. So there's a significance to the numbers that we use to open the show. So that our, and everything's done digitally now anyway. So you don't even have to count down. So we're way behind the times in that. But (laughs) today, the numbers were all the Hall of Famers up on the tarp on Mount Davis. So that was the skipper's call. Because the 34 and 27 has had the best results have come from this is crazy, right? Okay, yeah. but the best results have come from 34-27, the fingers and hunter number, numbers. So he wanted to go all the way across today and start with Reggie and finish with Hunter. So the, the countdown of the show was 9, 24, 43, 34, and 27. You guys put a lot of effort into this. <laughs> As my grandmother would say... <laughs> Meshuggah, right? <laughs> and, and and luckily you only had a sixty-game season because when you got to do it one hundred and sixty-two times, that's a lot of work. This has been going on since two thousand eleven. There, it has. So listen, 
If you know what he says, <laughs> he says, I'm not superstitious, but just in case. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, I, I, do you have the White Sox order? Because I'm not seeing it on MLB.com. I looked at it because I wanted to find out if Aloy Jimenez was playing. And I did not see it before I, I called in for the show. So uh, that was the one thing I was wondering about. I know they activated Leury Garcia off the IL today. But the big question for them was, uh, would Jimenez be able to play? And he's a formidable guy. You know, he's one of their right-handed hitters who can really rake. So uh, we're still waiting to find out about that. What did you think about the A's lineup? Well, it was interesting because Chad Pinder is in there. And he hasn't – I don't think he started a game this year against a righty, uh, and especially the fact that he's DHing. And I asked the skipper about it. Uh, both off the year and on, and he said they liked the way he's been swinging the bat. Now he's only played one game since he came off the IL, but, you know, batting practice and sim games and things like that. He has good numbers against Giolito. And all, that's a small sample size. But when you're scuffling offensively, you're looking for any advantage that you can get. And I, I'm always I'm always happy when Chad Pender is in the lineup. So uh, I, I also thought there was maybe an outside chance they might use Tony Kemp today. Uh, because of his ability to get on base. But I also think he can be a weapon off the bench because he would be their primary pinch runner if you get laid into a ball game. And also somebody, if it's a real close game, could could pinch it, maybe lead off an inning because his on base is, is good. So, uh, you know, they've got guys up and down the lineup that have to perform better offensively than they did during the regular season. I think that goes without saying. Yeah, it's the old hit the reset button. Everybody's at zero now. I kind of, you know, even though we only have one matchup, Jays and Rays, I kind of like all these matchups where teams haven't seen each other. There's a surprise element. It is. It's like the World Series used to be, right, Chris? Yeah. Because before interleague play. So, yeah, I think it's great. And I'm glad the White Sox are here. Uh, you know, I have a history with them, so it's always enjoyable to, to see those guys take the field. And the A's haven't played them in the postseason before. White Sox do not have the kind of postseason resume the A's have over the years. You know, they haven't been, this is their first appearance since 2008. Uh, will that work to the advantage of the athletics today? We'll have to wait and see. Okay, so you were for the White Sox. You'll know what I'm talking about. They've got more nicknames than World Series titles. You got Southsiders, Pale Hose, Chai Sox, Sox. Go go socks. I mean, they, they got yeah. the world in nicknames. They do. I call them the pale hose a lot. And then when I first started with them in '92, and my my broadcast partner was the great late great Ed Farmer, and he played for the Sox, and he grew up on the south side of Chicago. And I said, you know, there's another team in the league that is also known as the Sox. Did you ever feel like if you said Sox on the air, would people wonder if you were talking about the White Sox? Or the Red Sox. He said, believe me, in Chicago, there's only one Sox. So there was no ambivalence about that. (laughs) It it really is crazy how bad, when you look at how long the Cubs have been around, how long the White Sox have been around, they really, I mean, you're going back to like 1901. They have not been good. These, These two franchises have not won a lot. Well, the White Sox, when they swept the Astros in the 05 World Series, four games to none, they had not won a World Series since 1917. 
So people talk about the drought that the Cubs dealt with and the Red Sox. Well, it was a long time for the White Sox, too. And they had not appeared in the World Series before that series since 1959 when they lost to the Dodgers in the Dodgers' second year in L.A. So uh, they played the Cubs in the 1906 World Series. They beat the Cubs in that series. But like I said, they don't nearly have uh, the postseason resume that the A's have had over the years. What are your expectations for today? I feel really good. Now, it's been well documented that I'm the world's worst prognosticator. And we've been through this so many times with the A's and every series except the division series in 06 has ended in disappointment. But there's something about this club this year that they, they have this resolve and they have a great ability to bounce back. So playing in your home ballpark, like I said, if you can win this game today, you have a huge advantage. So I feel good about this club. I feel good about Lizardo pitching. Uh, the White Sox had to travel from Chicago. It was their longest trip they've had this year. Uh, there's a quirkiness to the Coliseum. Uh, the A's the last three years, I think it's like eight and one against the White Sox here at the Coliseum. So all those things on paper look to benefit the A's. But we'll see. Well, you know, Chris, the, greatest, the great thing about sports, and not just baseball, is that we have no idea what's going to happen. And I love that, especially about the postseason, because there's an intensity and there's pressure when you get to this point in the season, and especially when it's just two out of three. And so to sit back and just from the first pitch of the game and just see how the drama unfolds, who's going to come through, who's going to be a hero, who might make some mistakes in the field, who has the pitching advantage, and the managers and the, the strategy that they employ during the game. So the, the drama of it and the unknown and the kind of the mystery that you have that unfolds every day in sports. I just love for that. And I think as a broadcaster and as a sportsman, those are the things that you live for. So I think there's, that's the most, that's the beauty of, of entering into a postseason game. You know, you know, you know, it's funny about you talking about, you're not good at, at picking games. Thank God you don't live in a place like Las Vegas where you can pick. Games. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's good about that. It keeps me away. <laughs> Well, it keeps as, me away, man. <laughs> as my as my late father would always say, they didn't build those places in the middle of nowhere where there's no water because they lose. Those casinos were not built on losses. No, that's right. for sure. Well, we as my go, as my 101 year old father would say, who is still he'll be watching the game today. Um, you know, he'll he'll have something positive. Uh, he'll have a good vibe from down in Southern California today as he's watching the game. Uh, that is so 101. That's amazing. 101, man. And he'll be glued to the TV today at noon. It's called good genes right there, Ken. I hope so, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great call, and I will talk to you after the ball game. Okay, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your show. Well, that'll do it for A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Jason Benetti, Dave Fleming, Susan Slusser, and Ken Korak. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.